Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today, Bill Esparza, is one of the country's leading experts on Mexican food. He's the author of L.A. Mexicano and a James Beard Award winner for his work covering the L.A. taco scene for Los Angeles Magazine. He's also an accomplished saxophone player who's traveled the world playing music with Brian Setzer, Brian Adams, and Colin Hay of Men at Work. In today's session, Bill talks all about spotting a good taco truck. On the side of their truck, it says San Juan de los Lagos, Estilo San Juan de los Lagos, Jalisco. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm looking for, a town. Eating on the road with other musicians. We went to Japan and these guys were eating like the cheapest ramen they could get at the 7-Eleven in Tokyo. And the importance of food in his family. You know, my my grandmother never said hi to me in her entire life. She never said, yeah, she always said, quieres comer? As soon as I walked in the door. So without further ado, here is my lunch therapy session with Bill Esparza. All right. Well, Bill, thanks so much for doing lunch therapy. It's nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, I was just reading your, I was just looking through your Instagram. It was making me very hungry. Uh, it looked like last night you went to a Brazilian restaurant in LA. Was that right? I did. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. What, yeah. what place was that? It's uh, called Caboco. And okay. I don't know if you, do you know Rodrigo Oliveira? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, is that, I'm trying to think if I've been to one of his restaurants, but it sounds very familiar. Well, in Sao Paulo, he's got Mocotó. Uh-huh. And he's got a recent place uh, named uh, Balayo. Okay. And, and he also has a Mocotó Cafe in Alex Otala's market down there in, in uh, Piñeiros. Okay. <clears throat> I've known Enrique Alvera. I mean, uh, Enrique Alvera. I've known Rodrigo. <laughs> like I was just talking about him about 20 minutes ago. I, I've known Rodrigo Oliveira for, I don't know, since 2008, you know? Did he have another restaurant for a while that was maybe downtown or? Um, no, no, no. This um, is the first U.S. restaurant of his. First U.S. Okay, yeah, I've never first, had it. But... First international restaurant, you know. But I've been wow. going to Mocotó like every year for sometimes several times a year because I, I travel there a lot to Brazil. So. And the food you ate last night looked really good. It, it, I think you had like lobster on black rice and <laughs> chicharron. Yes, and with, yeah. the, with moqueca sauce and, and tojesmo, <laughs> which is their, their version of chicharron. Mm. Well, I was, yeah, yeah, everything on your profile was making me hungry. I was, I saw that you lead uh, food tours, um, which I didn't realize to Tijuana and places in Mexico. Is that something you're still doing? Yes, that's my tour company, Club Tengo Hombre. Okay, well, I'd like to go on one, so maybe I'll... I don't personally lead the tours, but... Oh, I see. You organize them. Um, Well, first thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, I know that um, you write a lot about street food and a lot of the taco places in LA, and I'm curious how you've witnessed this pandemic affecting that culture, and if things are starting to come back, if, um, you know, if the pandemic had a really detrimental effect on things, or if it didn't change things too much. Well, I mean, it's not unlike you know, having a, you know, brick and mortar, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, the, as far as the problem, so it's personnel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having to, having to cut hours because you have less business. Um, so let having to let workers go. And of course, when we let workers go during the pandemic, you know, people don't come back because they've mm-hmm. gone on to find other work or, you know, whatever transition they're making. So yeah, I mean, they've lost workers, uh, you know, lost a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them did really well, they, they, but they also had to contend with the fact that the city was, you know, shutting everything down. 
and a lot of people were still out, you know, trying to make, you know, trying to make rent mm-hmm. and pay their bills. So there was also that issue. Um, prices are, are really high for food right now. And that really mm-hmm. affects, you know, people that are selling economic food uh, a lot. Uh, the price of limes has skyrocketed. So. Oh, yeah. I just so, bought a bunch of limes for a dollar each, I think it was. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's expensive. So I, well, and and you know, considering the the taqueria is giving people that for a lot of times just giving it away, you know. I mean, they're mm-hmm. it's not it's, it's built into the cost, but mm-hmm. but when you start seeing lemons everywhere, then you know that like okay, it's it's like too much, you know, they're they're having right. a substitute. And uh, you know, lemons just don't cut it on, on tacos. They, they, they taste weird to me. You know? <laughs> I agree. I've never had a lemon on a taco, but that's, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. So like the fact that so many of these places are outdoors, did that protect them in a way or did that not really matter? Well, again, it's really the issue of the crackdown because there's always a dis, you know, proportionate attention paid to street vendors over restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so, and obviously restaurants, it's really hard, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to hide that you're, open as a restaurant mm-hmm. but street stands were were out there and so you know some of them got uh harassed by police and you know trying to shut them down but i mean and and you know some were able to do delivery and things like that and and i mean it's 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 been terrible for every, the whole it's every it's terrible for everyone you know it is yeah i mean it's strange now because we're in this weird transitional time after the vaccine where it feels like the world is starting to open back up, which is why I was curious about a lot of, you know, a lot of these taco stands and stuff, like if, if they're starting to have a reemergence or if, or if the culture is shifting back in their favor, but, um, but yeah. it's interesting to hear you say the police were cracking down. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of cultural forces were at play in the past two years. Yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to what we're seeing everywhere. Is it, there's a, it's weird. There's a lot of people out because people mm-hmm. were, you know, trapped in their homes for, a long time and and didn't travel didn't go out to eat didn't do all these things so there's in general there's a lot of people out eating and doing things so that includes street food stands you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're pretty busy um but you know we're still dealing with i mean this pandemic just won't let us live you know we we yeah, yeah the economy's open and we're out doing stuff but there's still crazy things that happen you can't get this things are too expensive you know the you know you know, travel is difficult. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all, it's all complicated right now. Well, on a happier note, maybe, maybe I got to just ask you, you know, what are you most excited about right now in terms of food in LA? Is there a place that you've been to recently or, or a place you recommend that, that our listeners check out that's fairly new? Well, definitely Caboclo because I mean, I'm a Brazilian food fan and mm-hmm. you know, I've been, like I said, I've, I've been to, I don't know, 13 States in Brazil. I uh, just love it. Wow. I mean, after, after Mexico, it's the place I've spent the most time. And, and so being able to get that cuisine, you know, that's not a steakhouse, that's not a bowl of acai mm-hmm. is really special for me. So, you know, I'm trying to get there as much as I can. Um, and, you know, Rodrigo Oliveira is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm excited about that place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as far as other, oh, there's a, there's a new taqueria that just opened up called Tacos Don Manolito in my neighborhood. So, oh, what, which neighborhood uh, is that, if you don't mind saying? Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. Great. Okay. So, Don Manolito just opened up. They're from Mexico City. They're a chain from there. And literally, I can walk there. So, mm. and they're on the same block as like Taco, Tacos Leos, you know, Leos Tacos, 
So that's a nice little, like, okay, mini taco crawl, <laughs> you know, grab some al pastor, grab some camp tacos campechanos, you know. Yeah. Now, are you a luxury are you a, here in Hollywood? I'm curious, like when you eat tacos and you're going all over LA and Mexico and places, are you, a, would you consider yourself a taco critic? Like, are you eating oh, them no. critically? <laughs> you're just enjoying them, like regardless of who makes them or where, what, what oh. they put in them? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you know, as a food writer, I'm not a I'm not a food critic because right. I mean uh, that's a very specific job, obviously, and it's not a job that I'm interested in. I mean, I I'm more of a, a cultural writer. I mean, I write about mm -hmm. the culture of of food, and I specifically uh, by because of a lot of reasons represent the my culture and the cultures of Latin America. Mm -hmm. So in my writing, and so you know, but as far as yeah, you know, <laughs> it's 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 quite funny that you say that because I mean, yeah, I, I do. We, the the few of us, get that quite a bit, mm -hmm. and you know, you're kind of funneled into this taco thing, you know, by, but by, by the gigs that are out there. So if, you know, another publication reaches out, it's always like, hey, we'd love you to do a taco roundup. I'm like, <laughs> I have one on Eater. It's been there for years. Yeah, like, I saw it. I googled you gonna, before you came. You're probably, <laughs> you're probably gonna copy parts of it anyway. So, like, what what do you need me for? But right, right. there's, you know, we're having everyone's trying to be more taco than the other right now in my community, because there's there's just not a lot of gigs. We don't we don't mm -hmm. get offered a broad range of of uh, jobs and and articles and and uh, editors are only reaching out for those things. So that gets to be like, oh, you're the taco. It's like, no, no, I'm not the taco guy but like <laughs> sometimes i kind of have no other choice if i want to work but to write about this but you know for me writing about tacos is just writing about mexican culture because mm -hmm. tacos are the way we eat you know we the tortilla is the utensil and it's what we use to even if we aren't eating tacos we're we're rolling the tortilla in various ways and using mm -hmm. it to pick up food scoop up mole and, and so the tortilla in general is like creates this style of, of, of eating that's like, you know, taco culture. Well, I guess the reason I asked the question about whether you're a critic is for me, like if I see like a taco stand, you know, on one side of the street and one across the street and, you know, it's like they're competing with each other. And it's like, I, I don't think I have the toolkit in my arsenal to evaluate which one is the one worth going to so i guess i'm really asking like when you eat a taco are you are you in your own head not in terms of what you write but are you like you know processing oh this tortilla wasn't freshly made this salsa tastes a little i mean is that the kind of stuff you're thinking about or are you just enjoying yourself and, and not thinking about well that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean obviously i would say that i'm not the kind of person and uh to go try a bunch of things Mm -hmm. I, I'm really more, I, I feel like at this point, you know, I, I have a lot of ways to find out if it's a place I really want to eat at. And, you know, of course, it's really easy to go. Um, people have Instagram, they mm -hmm. have, uh, you can find stuff on Google, you can find photos and you can kind of look through and, and also when I see a truck, I, I or, or a stand or whatever it is, I, I can kind of figure out what, what they're doing by looking at the cooking devices, looking the setup. And so you know, there's little things that you can walk by real quick and you can, I mean, look, come on, could, could, could you not walk by a steakhouse and go, Oh, that looks like, 
like hell. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean There's certain, you think, certain signals. You, yeah. Could you not walk by a bunch of tables and see overcooked steak? Right. You would take you would notice right away. So you would know like people going yeah. like this and <laughs> <laughs> right. Trying to so it's the same idea. Yeah. It's the same I mean, idea. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we have like a, we, I live in Atwater Village, so we have a bunch of taco trucks and things like there's one near the car wash. Sure. So, um, you know, I have no idea, but I guess it's interesting with the Internet now. Yeah, you could look at pictures. You can look at testimonials. Yeah, yeah. it's not like back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I when I'm not, you know, I mean, it's for me, it's not just using. I mean, I'm not really big on finding places with Instagram. I'll, I'll look at a place. If mm -hmm. I see a, a place that interests me, I'll quickly do a little search and look to see if I can find pictures of their food. Mm -hmm. And then that tells me whether or not, but uh, I've always really thought about like big, big Mexico versus little Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of my, I guess my, my thing that, that, that guides me. Mm -hmm. And like, if, look, for instance, there's a place called Tacos Mexico here in, in Los Angeles. Right. And Tacos Mexico is pretty, I mean, what is Tacos Mexico? There's, 32 regions, you know, 31 states and <laughs> right. Mexico city and they're not anything alike in most cases. So like, I don't know what that means. And then if it says tacos Jalisco, then you're like, okay, but Jalisco has a lot of different towns and regions mm -hmm. and styles of tacos. But when I, you know, when I first uh, tried uh, Mariscos Jalisco years mm -hmm. ago on the side of their truck, it says San Juan de, de los Lagos. Estilo San Juan de los Lagos, Jalisco. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm looking for. A town because people who are representing their town are really doing something specific. Like mm -hmm. they 99.99% of the time, if they call out their town, they're going to be doing something very unique from their town, you know? And there's, there's little signs that tell you they're doing that. It's, it's also names that are used and there's, so if, to me, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at signage first. And to find out whether it's going to be something. And then I'll look at pictures. There's a, there's a lot of layers of, I mean, it's not for me because I've been, I'm, I am Mexican. I've been to every single state in, in Mexico and, and I, I read a lot. I study. I, so at, at this point in my life, I'd say that I have a lot of layers of, 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 uh, you know, fail safe <laughs> methods. Yeah, well, that makes that a lot of keep sense. Keep me from trying bad places. Yeah, I mean that that advice just to look for a specific region makes so much sense, and it I feel like that applies to so many other things too. It's like the more specific you are in your writing, the better the writing, the the more you know, music and so oh, yeah. It's, I mean, music. I, so I'm a musician, and that's yeah. absolutely, uh, you know, you can tell when. I mean, you can tell when when someone plays by the way they behave and and talk and, and listening to. You know, when people play music, you can listen to whether they're 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 working within a style, what kind of style they're working in, what part of the country they might be from. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the language. It's 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 the same kind of beats for sure. I play um, schmaltzy piano music from my oh. Jewish culture. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I could chat with you about this forever, but we're avoiding the subject at hand, which is your lunch therapy. So I've got to ask you. Um, I warned you, I think about this, but this yeah. whole podcast is based on what you had for lunch. So what did you have for lunch today? Well, I had tacos Don Manolito just down the Fantastic. street. Fantastic. Okay. I had a feeling maybe that was, that was what was going to come. So specifically like what was in the tacos and what, you know, how many did well, you have? I had, so, um, right now my, you know, they've only been open for a couple of weeks, but my go-to order is the Campechano, 
Mm -hmm. And the taco campechano is chicharron, like really dry, crunchy chicharron, uh, and then um, chorizo, mm -hmm. and cecina, which is uh, beef soft jerky, like a salt salted beef. And it's got this special salsa that they do, which has got some chili pulla in there. So it's got that smokiness. Mm. And, you know, I, I order the guacamole, put the guacamole. A lot of people don't understand, but guacamole is actually a topping. It's not a, it's not an appetizer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I just, I eat it. With, in California, with it's, yeah. it's an appetizer. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good one. It works. But yeah, it's a, it's a condiment. And so mm. you get that. And then uh, the maja which is there, it's a flour tortilla with a chicharron de queso mm -hmm. in, a, in an envelope. And so inside the chicharron, I asked for short rib. So short rib inside the chicharron de queso wrapped in fried cheese Yum. on a flour tortilla, <laughs> salsa, caramelized onions, the avocado sauce, and then the guacamole. That is what I, that's, that's like perfect. The perfect lunch with a uh, uh, very nice, um, Agua fresca that I that that they're they're doing there a green one with some I forget it's like a mix of a few vegetables and fruit and is this a sit down place or is this the kind of place where you're it's, standing outside and eating um, it's you know, a jumping? fancy taqueria okay not taqueria nice yeah it's funny because I realized that I like eating but I like sitting even more so like the like guisados and places like that where you can go sit are my kind of places because you know I don't like to stand and eat but um this is your therapy so I'm curious did this place have a specific region that it was cooking oh from? yeah 100 Chilango it's Mexico City in Mexico City okay yeah so the Campechano well er, Campechano means different things in different parts of of Mexico and it it can just mean mixed or a combo, but mm -hmm. the campechano is sort of standardized in Mexico City, the traditional one. So it's either, it's always chicharron, always uh, chorizo or longaniza, could be mm -hmm. either of, of the two. And then it's used, the original cecina, but sometimes people just do bistec because mm -hmm. they don't have, you know, it's, it's <laughs> they didn't bother to, to salt the beef or buy the cecina. They just like, we just got steak and put it, but it's all cooked on a flat, flat top. And then the style is called, Tacos a la plancha. But for me, like everybody, when everybody thinks about Mexico City, first of all, they think about tacos, which is funny because Mexico City is really a torta city. Hmm. They eat tortas are their thing, but they do have great tacos, of course. And everybody talks about al pastor and, mm -hmm. you know, tacos de canasta and tacos de guisado. And people go crazy on that. But, but the tacos a la plancha, people would probably tend to walk by. It's like, oh, that's just like, you know, steak on a, on a flat top and mm -hmm. whatever. And, but that's actually the more typical taco that you would find any part of Mexico city. You know, that's like the, the real standard everyday mass, uh, beloved taco. It's funny. I went to Mexico city and I, I did the kind of embarrassingly like, you know, restauranty version of it. So we went to Pujol, um, and ate, you know, kind of the fancy like mole and all that stuff, but I didn't really do enough just like street food and tacos. And so I need to go back and have you tell me where to go. Cause I, I, I think I was overwhelmed by it, to be honest. Well, there's, I mean, Mex first of all, Me Mexico city, it's too big. It's enormous. It's like oh yeah. It's like coming to LA. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, you come to LA and you want to go to Bestia. Yeah. I mean, you, you need a lot of trips to get in your, you know, to really start to get the city. There's just no way mm -hmm. I've been doing, I've been going there for decades. 
-hmm. on a regular basis. And I'm, there's still neighborhoods. I haven't, you know, so many neighborhoods I haven't got to and places within neighborhoods. And, you know, I'll never be able to cover, you know, uh, I will die not knowing that city. (laughs) We loved it there. It was beautiful. I mean, we, we we had such a great time there and it was Every, every, I mean, that museum of anthropology, I think it was called anthropological. Yeah. I mean, just that the, the fountain and the waterfall. I mean, there were just like so many beautiful images I have from my trip there that. No, I it's amazing. Back. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and did you have fun at Puyol? I did. Yeah, I had so, a great time. Come on. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had that aged mole for like 100 year eight or 80. It was like maybe not 100 year, but he's, it's like it's like 30 year or 25 year mole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many, many. Um, it would be several years at this point. Yeah, he's using the same vat. Well, so I want to learn more about you and your journey and or your story to becoming a food writer. Um, you know, and maybe we can start just from the beginning, you know, where you grew up and if you came from a family where there was lots of food and cooking. Yeah, my, my grandparents were from um, Aguascalientes. My dad was born in Aguascalientes and he came here very young. And so, you know, I mean... Obviously, my my grandparents were 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 Mexican, and they were uh, they were green card holders. They never became U.S. citizens. My dad was was undocumented in the old days because back then they just didn't really, you know, worry about paperwork so much. Mm-hmm. And he crossed with my grandparents when he was one, and never really became a U.S. citizen, or you know, uh, renounced his Mexican citizenship or anything like that. So. I mean, Mexican-American for us was the fact that you had to adapt to like the, you know, they, they, they didn't have all their cheeses and all their, so, mm-hmm. but Mexican food, the very simple Mexican food that my grandmother made was really amazing. And so to me, more than my dad and even my mom, that was really my upbringing mm-hmm. is being with my grandparents, you know, in I, was, I was there a lot. No, no, oh, yeah. in, in Northern California, Stockton. Oh, so this is Stockton where you grew up. Yes. Okay. So what are, what are some of the dishes you remember your grandmother making for you? Well, you know, and I thought this just was, I never really thought it was a regional dish, but she would make uh, huevos rancheros with uh, mm-hmm. chile verde with pork ribs on yeah. top. So she just makes, she make pork ribs and she throw those over, over the eggs. And finally I went to a restaurant from uh, Michoacan uh, from Mapatzingan Michoacan here in LA. And, and they did the same thing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like a, mm-hmm like my grandma's thing, you know? And so she would do, I mean, I would come on weekends. So that was like the big thing, but you know, in the evenings, it was very like, you know, whatever meat, uh, and rice and beans and, and, you know, potato salad (laughs) or, Uh you know, whatever fideos, lots of fideos. Uh So fideos were a regular thing. Um, but, you know, it, in the growing up in the 70s, like the, uh, you know, there was a local panaderia there that we would go shopping at. The one panaderia that had all the stuff that we, that we would keep in the house, sweet bread, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, my, my agua fresca growing up was Nestle's Strawberry Quick, <laughs> which, tastes very, which tastes just like uh, <laughs> agua de fresa. <laughs> That's really fun. I had my agua fresca was Yoohoo. So I don't know if that counts. Do you remember Yoohoo? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't very natural, but it was good. So when you grew up, were you growing up in a, in a Mexican-American community? Were you, I mean, were you going to school with other yes. Mexican-American kids? Well, yeah, I was, 
so I lived in sort of the midpoint of Stockton, uh, which was, yeah, my, my, my neighborhood was, was Chicano, was Chicano Mm -hmm. and black, uh, mostly. And we were just above the South side of town, which Mm was, which was also Latino and black. Um, so yeah, elementary school, that's who I was going to school, you know, back in the seventies, all everyone's parents was trying to make them be integrated. And mm-hmm. part of that was, you know, not everyone would, would uh, not really talk about their culture. We weren't really allowed to. And, <clears throat> and your parents sort of discouraged you because they wanted you to, they, they were really trying to uh, keep us from the racism that they went through. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't really feel that sense, except for when you were at home, that's when you were Mexican, you know, you're at home, not, not at school and um, not, not at least in, in elementary school In high school, there was a lot more awareness about that, you know, Mecha club and <clears throat> organizations on campus. But well, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's interesting though for you. I mean, psychologically in terms of this podcast, because it makes me wonder about that shift for you, because now what you do is such a celebration of Mexican yeah. culture. And do you, were you conscious of, of that moment where you decided to, or decided to embrace your culture where you came from versus try to hide it? Or was that something yeah. that always came naturally to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, my, again, my, my, uh, it was really my dad, you know, he, he didn't want us to deal with this stuff that he went through. And so he was resistant to us learning Spanish mm-hmm. and I mean, really he forbade us to do it. So mm-hmm. we're, and like, he wouldn't let my grandparents speak Spanish to us and and so I grew up knowing and hearing Spanish, but not speaking it. And so when my dad passed away, um, that's when I went to go connect with family in, in Aguascalientes and I went to Mexico City. And, I, you know, I really sort of like, I don't, I, I did that for him mm-hmm. and that was important, but now I'm going to do something that I want to do. And so I started learning Spanish and mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I think it started my, in my thirties <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, not too long after that, the, you know, I was I was traveling as a musician, playing just playing a lot in Latin America. You know, uh, this is the same week that he died. I was uh, rehearsing for some gigs in Colombia, and so as soon as I arrived in Colombia, I'm like, oh my god, I really want to be part of all of this. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and then you know, seeing my family going to Colombia, it just really like overwhelmed me with, okay, I got to do something here, and and so the food writing came a little later than that but but definitely i mean it whether you like it or not if you're a mexican-american writer food writer you end up having to be an activist anyway because you're always sort Mm -hmm. of fighting you know i mean so many issues representation um about who you're going to write about you know there's Mm -hmm. always arguments about like we should be doing this and really getting people to trust you and honestly that didn't happen before the reckoning you know Mm-hmm. There was less, there, there was less of it, I would say, but now people are listening more. So you end up having to be just to get representation in there and to get people to talk about other things, other communities, other topics. There's just a constant like fight, you know? And so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting. So when, when I have so many questions, but first of all, what instrument do you play? I forgot to ask you that. I play saxophone. And were you playing like jazz or like what, what kind of music were you? Playing? Well, I, I wouldn't call myself a jazz player. I was more of a rock and mm-hmm. R&B player. So I play with pop groups 
And, you know, I played with Brian Setzer Orchestra and oh, cool. Brian Adams. And I played with Colin Hay of Men at Work. And, and, uh, nice. and I did some jazz gigs. I did Bobby Caldwell's big band. And I did play with Diane Schur. Uh, huh. You know, so a little bit of, of that. But then I also played with Slash. <laughs> and it's making me think a little bit about the, the conversation we were having earlier about trying to integrate with the community. And, like, and now musically, it's sort of like um you know in terms of your mexican heritage like is the saxophone an instrument that's used in mexican music at all or well no because i mean that's the thing it's i'm mexican-american so well yeah. it's it's used in like ranchera music a uh-huh. little bit but the sound and the way they play it is very different from you know i i play like an american rock player but mm-hmm. you know we're mexican-americans we're more inspired by you know growing up listening to santana and mm-hmm. and malo and uh and but also blood sweat and tears and tower of power and right and, and also herbie hancock and and the brecker brothers and so all those my dad would listen to all those things hendrix you know mm-hmm. and so my exposure to music was really more rock r&b uh blues and jazz fusion um, as a kid and so all the kids you know all the kids in my neighborhood we we had all the music we had our mexican music our families but we also had american music so you know the first gig i had out of college was playing in a uh like a ranchera band you know matching Mm -hmm. shirts playing cumbias and and things like that and and that band would also play a mix of rock stuff Mm -hmm. with traditional mexican music and and ballads and then mariachi stuff but also rock and and soul you know wow so you know, so I was able to work in, you know, I also worked toward with a Mexican pop artist named uh, Maricela. I played with Joan Sebastian. Uh, so I played cool. with Mark Anthony. And, and so like, you know, you had, I, I was, because of being Mexican American, I was able to go in between all those, those sounds and play kind of a diverse range of music. And did you study, I mean, were, were you classically trained or was it more yes. just you picked it up? Okay. Yeah, I went to University of the Pacific and I and I have a bachelor of music in performance. Mm-hmm. So I was playing, yeah, I was playing concertos and things like that. And, and you know, after college, it was, uh, you know, my professor wanted me to go study at the Paris Conservatory and go into that. And I'm like, huh, you know, <laughs> the only the only gig for a classical saxophone is, is to become a professor at a college. You know, that's right. it. Yeah. And, and the opportunities to play would be like, playing with a you know a junior college you know mm-hmm. symphony and 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 playing here and there like you know in 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 uh you know weezer idaho or something you know but, right. and yeah. so yeah. it's just not it's not what i wanted to do and so i i sort of kind of put that away and 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 i quickly changed in about six months transition to playing uh more i, I was already playing in rock bands in college and i played in even in high school i did and I was playing in the jazz band in, in college as well, but I just moved completely over to that um, as soon as I graduated. And then I got a blues gig not too long after that and started touring like 22. At wow. 22, I was in the van, driving across <laughs> the country, doing the eight hours, drop the gear off, do the sound check, play the show, drive 15 hours the next day, 
I, you know, I did that in my early twenties. And was food important to you during that period? Like, were you seeking out good places to eat or were you annoying your bandmates? Like we got to go find the best blah, 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 wherever, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's funny that you asked that, but the, I mean, yes, it was, well, you know, that was my, my culture. And I, I didn't really realize it because I was always my, my grandmother and my dad and food. It was this huge connection. And, you know, my grand, my grandmother never said hi to me in her entire life. She really? said, yeah, she always said, Quieres comer? as soon as I walked in the door. So, are you hungry? Is that what are you want? Do you want to eat? You know, so yeah. like, and so I, her and I connected that way. And with my dad, it was like also talking about our food. You know, he would always talk about our, our the family recipes. And, and so when I went on the road, I had never, you know, I hadn't really traveled much at, at that point in my life. And I remember that first road trip was to Kansas city mm-hmm. and we, and along the way, I never traveled with this blues artist and g- genius blues player, um, really gifted person as a musician, but like t- super OCD. Mm-hmm. So he would only eat at McDonald's <laughs> like oh, no. no matter what. And it was funny because his girlfriend who was also the manager, you know, h- how fun is that? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so she was, uh, she'd always say like, so what do you want to go? And, and he's like, McDonald's. And like, <laughs> I don't like, why do you even ask him? You know, like, why? Right. we know that he's going to go to McDonald's. So, so when, so along the way, I was like, wait a minute, like, what am I? Okay. I'm here now. What do I do? And, and as soon as I got to Kansas city, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to do this McDonald's thing. I'm just going to skip all those stops. You know, I'll grab like, uh, uh, some chips or something and survive for the next six hours. But when we got to Kansas city, the first thing I did was I asked the uh, woman who was in the kitchen. I go, what do, what do people eat here in Kansas city? And she's like barbecue. And yeah. I go, okay. And uh, so I started walking around and said, okay, I'm going to see if I can find something. And then, and back then there was no Googling stuff and there was no Instagram right. or Twitter or. I know so, Calvin Trillin had his book about like Arthur Bryant since Kansas, or he wrote an essay about it. So I've always wanted to go there, but yeah. How did you find a place to go? Where'd you go? Well, I remember I met, you know, you, you're a musician, you know, you meet people, yeah. uh, everybody wants to talk to you and hang out after. And, and so that was like, okay. I was like, okay, this is my way of like locals that want to hang out that are cool that I, I enjoy their company. So I remember I met this one woman named Connie and mm-hmm. uh, I said, like, I want to go to a really good, like Kansas city barbecue. She goes, okay. She goes, when, you know, tomorrow there's a place open called BB's Lawnside barbecue. And, and then I learned later and year, years later, that that's a very popular spot or it was anyway. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so that was just amazing. And after that, I was like, okay. And like the next, you know, n- next stop was Columbia, Missouri. And, and then we were, we were playing Lake of the Ozarks. And so I just started doing that everywhere I went. I was always running off and it actually got so bad. It, it got so bad that I, when I was with Maricela, I remember the, the MD, the musical director was, he didn't like that. I was always taking off because nobody wanted to go. Nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> and so I started to be that guy that was like, where is he going? What does he do? I was like, no, I'm not off doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not off <laughs> shooting heroin or right. something like that. I just, it was You're off shooting trying. gravy into your veins. Yeah. <laughs> I was off trying food. Like, but yeah. people, people get really weird, you know, when you're doing that. And so on the road anyway, because it's like, it's not normal, not normal road behavior. And yeah. I remember my MD once he goes, he goes, 
you're always leaving. <laughs> what, what, just, I, I don't like that. And I go, okay. <laughs> so good talk. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice met- thanks. <laughs> Was there like one thing that you ate on the road that you remember from that time that like blew you away? Oh, no, no. Everything. 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 I mean, yeah. Well, especially when I was traveling in Mexico, you know, I mean, I was getting into the, I didn't really realize I was learning so much about regional food, but just the local food, mm-hmm. you know, was like, it turned out to be, I was having lots of really hyper regional uh, experiences, stuff that only, but I didn't know. I just like, oh, I, you know, curious as a musician, I think people who spend their life reading liner notes and, <laughs> and uh, studying up on, you know, sounds and who did what and who was the engineer and what kind of microphone it's all that like really inside information like mm-hmm. i transferred that really quick to food and i didn't really without thinking about it i was like always curious like oh well, you know where, where are you guys from and what's yeah, this yeah. and 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 what's wh- which was really wonderful because it turned me into a really good customer for people because like after all day of people just not giving a crap about what you're doing and just you know but high and by and eating somebody actually asking them what they're, you know, about their food, giving them a chance to talk about their family traditions. I found that people really liked that. And I liked it too. Mm-hmm. I liked it better than hanging out with my stupid band, uh, <laughs> bandmates, you know, who didn't right. want to, wanted to like save. We went to Japan and these guys were eating like the cheapest ramen they could get at the Seven Eleven in Tokyo. Oh, no. And I was like, <clears throat> I was like, uh, you know, let's go out and eat the food here. And they're like, oh man, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to save my per diem, you know? And so I'm like, okay, that's it. I, I, I don't need to eat with these fools anyway. I'm going to go out and have really great meals. And I had one gig and uh, we did 10 cities in the U S and the band was uh, Mor- uh, Moroccans, Algerians, uh, French, Belgians, and people from the U S were like this all-star group for this uh, Rye. I don't know if you know Rye music. Uh, I don't think so. It's uh it's a Middle Eastern style of music. It's uh, kind of like, uh, they, they call it the rap of the, the Arab world. Okay. Because it's a protest music. Um, in Algeria, they were protest. Matter of fact, all the singers had to leave mm. when like the military regime or something took over. And, and you remember that song Desert Rose by Sting? Yeah, I do. So that's a rye singer, Cheb, oh, okay. Cheb Mami. So yeah, yeah, Cheb, I remember that melody. Cheb, okay, yeah. Right. The, the the Arabic sing, sounding singer, uh, uh-huh. that's that's so Khaled, who, uh, Sheb Khaled was who uh, who I was working with, and on that tour, the guys from Provence, they were like food people. So that was uh-huh. like, so we had one guy from L.A. who's a trumpet player who also loved going to nice restaurants, and then the guy from Provence. So the three of us would be like, okay, we're spending our per diem plus extra, you know, like we're gonna go nice. out. <laughs> yeah. So we were on, you know, we we had three nights off in new Orleans after we played the house of blues wow. there. So we were just, you know, so that was a lot of fun. I, actually, this sounds I like a reality show that you need to have. Like you're in a <laughs> band and you travel the country, you eat the best food. I'd watch that. Come on. Well, you know, it's funny that <laughs> I think that when I came back to LA and, and I was, you know, looking for restaurants around town after I, if I traveled to, I got back from Honduras, I'm looking for, you know, Honduran food. And, and so when I, you know, the musicians and other friends I had got burnt out on it. Like, like, man, really, really you want to go to the place? And I'm like, <laughs> well, okay. So that's when I sort of switched over to like the food, yeah. the food nerd friends, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, okay, they'll, they'll go out and do stuff. And 
And of course, the, the, the advantage is that you can order more things when you have a little, right. little click. But um, I don't know about you, but after a while, some of those people are a little too weird, you know? <laughs> well, I was curious. I mean, immediately <laughs> I, I was thinking of Jonathan Gold. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure, you did, I'm sure you worked with him at some point, right? Or, or you didn't no, know each other? We, we knew. I mean, yeah, we, we did know each other for sure. I mean, he knew about me when I was a blogger. Okay. And, and so I had, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, was, I just thought of him because of his music background and going from being a music writer into being a food writer. When you were talking about reading the liner notes and, and the specificity of your knowledge, it reminded me of him a little bit too, because it's a similar journey. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, yeah, we, we, I had one time where I actually, maybe two times I actually really talked to him mm-hmm. and it was right after I wrote this piece that was slamming Rick Bayless when he came to LA. Oh, right. And yeah. I think I read on, that. Yeah. It was, it was on my blog and yeah, he, he saw me at a food festival and, and he was talking to me he goes, he goes, you know, it'd be really interesting if you and I went back to red O together because mm-hmm. he goes, I think you'd, I think you'd find it's more uh, like Mexico city food than you're willing to admit. And so I said, okay, let's go, you know? And, and so I, ne- I didn't hear from him for a while. And, and then I saw him at another thing. I go, I go so what happened with uh, <laughs> the, the going to Reddit? He goes, uh, I chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Oh yeah. Uh, he thought, yeah. He, he thought I wasn't, he's like, uh, on second thought, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to change his mind. So, so a handful, but I didn't really know him well. And I wasn't part of his thing. You know, he's a very, right. <laughs> I met him a couple of times and I was so intimidated and yeah. And then I didn't really click with him, but, but it was, I felt very odd by his presence. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which occurred to me about your career in music and being on the stage and being with musicians and like, and I just thought of the egos of musicians versus, oh, yeah. versus the like egolessness of, of vendors, like street food, you know, the kinds of people who are making tacos, it's not about the, their individual glory. It's about, feeding people and just sort of taking care of their community. And I, I wonder if there was something about that that appealed to you after being around so many musicians, or if that's not something that was a factor. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, good musicians are not, uh, you know, don't have big egos. Hmm, right. That's probably true. I mean, really great artists. I mean, that's how, again, how you can tell who could play by the way, the behaviors, you know, mm-hmm. but People who could really play and were really great musicians <clears throat> didn't a lot of times didn't even talk about music, you know, right. like there wasn't a lot of ch- chat about music and there wasn't a lot of ego. And and especially if you if you're respected by a musician and you're respected by other musicians, there's a certain acceptance and allowance that will pretty much accept anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a real bonding when you're playing with somebody in your, you know, this melding of the minds and, and, and the, the way you communicate in music can draw, mm-hmm. bring you really close to people. And if you really respect and you play well, if you just play well, you're going to get along with people and people are going to want to talk to you and people are going to deal with you, even if you're strange or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Cause we had a lot of you know, eccentric people that you'd work with, but um, no, I mean, I, I found a lot of great musicians, very humble mm-hmm. and the guys that weren't humble usually sucked. <laughs> well it's interesting because it makes me think of like the art <laughs> itself or like the actual 
making of the food or making of the music is the is the thing in and itself it's like yeah. that you're being tuned in it's not about the glory it's not about the you know getting into the rock and roll hall of fame or whatever it's about just being in that moment and enjoying yeah. what you're doing yeah well I'm, i mean i'm, I'm a side man i'm not you know yeah. we're, we're not none, none of us were artists like we're uh the singer the, mm-hmm. the person that that you know brian setzer is brian yeah. setzer he's the guy that's that everybody they're going to see. And I'm just the, the, some, one of the four, four or five saxophone players in the band sitting there that no one cares about. So in our community, we're mercenaries, but our, our community is about respect, respecting people's playing abilities. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we have nothing to do with, you know, any of that stuff. The, the we're not, we're not stars, <laughs> you know? So I, so I think we, I kind of forgot to like follow the thread though of, of the beginning of your food career. So when you decided yeah. to become a food writer, what was it a blog that you started? Was that the first thing yeah. you did? Yeah. I started blogging after my travels, uh, mm-hmm. plane. And I, I think I, well, it was kind of funny. I, I, I met a woman who had a blog and, uh, I was teaching a, a, a ethnic, dining class at an adult school for for retired people <laughs> i was taking them all to these different restaurants again i was you know really trying to find my my place out there and i want to take and, that class that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> but it wasn't you know it wasn't uh, it was any cuisine it wasn't just mexican or latino right. or and so there was a woman who was in the class who introduced me to a friend of her she goes i think you should meet this woman and so i go okay why don't you guys come to um to Boyle Heights, there's this outdoor market thing I, I go to a lot on Sundays that um, was really popular, you know. And and so when she went there, I remember at the end, this blogger says, she goes, oh, do you mind if I blog about this? And I go, what's that, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, like, what do you mean? Because I'm like, okay, I've heard the word blog before, but I don't really know oh, what yeah. it is, you know. And and so I went home and I, and I was just thinking about it, thinking about it. I go, oh my God, I just gave away something that no one else knew about. Right, right. Yeah. So you and so that was I your started my blog. Yeah. Yeah. I started my blog that night and I published about this place. Mm-hmm. So she actually published a couple hours before me. Uh-huh. And, and that's how it started. And it wasn't until a friend put analytics on it a few, you know, few years later or a year later that I really realized that people were reading it. What year and did you start it in? I, I started at the end of 2007. Okay. God, I started in 2006 was my food blog. So yeah. it was the same, same kind of era. Right. Um, yeah. The dawn, yeah. And it was before it was like, you know, SEO and everyone was gaming the system and figuring out the, the search words. And, the, you know, now it's like somebody starts a blog and it's like, they have to read like five books before they do it, but that's really cool. So you, did you, <laughs> right. did you enjoy, you, you enjoyed doing the blog for a while? Was it fun? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously at first I did it without even knowing that people were reading it. I, I remind I, me what the name of the blog was. It was street gourmet LA street gourmet LA. Right. Of course. Okay. And you know, when I, when I would, uh, I mean, I just remember like, I, w- I would go to a place and I'd write about it, but it was really more to keep track of it for myself because, you know, there was nobody writing about these places. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I, I got it on the, it's, it's, it's there. Now I know where this place is. I can look it up on my, I can remember it. And, and I started kind of, you know, going here and there, but then 
at some point I was, I did this one day where I just ran around to find places for my blog. And I, and I thought, you know what? I think really there's something happening here with mm-hmm. Mexican food. Like, like there's a future with this and Latin American cuisine. And, and it's, it's, I think it's going to become more popular and, mm-hmm. and I actually know it. I've spent a lot of time traveling and so I just decided to really focus on that, you know? And I'm so curious about the, like, because I've, I've never been able to do this. So in terms of just like finding that hidden gem or like going out, especially, you know, before everything was on the internet, was it really just word of mouth? What did it involve just like going to a place that looked kind of cool to you? I mean, how do you, how did you sniff out these places? Well, it's always, I mean, it has not changed for me no matter what the technology, but it's always been keywords. Like I told you, mm-hmm. you know, finding, uh, keywords on the signage and, and right. uh, m- menu items. But what I used to do is, is I, I started to figure out where all the neighborhoods were, where people from Michoacan are in this part of town, people from Oaxaca are from this part of town, people from uh, Sinaloa are over here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, I used to just do, do, I'm also a scuba diver, so I just do like diving <laughs> grid, you know, search yeah. grid, just drive up a street, you know, look and uh-huh. sl- drive slow and, 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 uh, see if I saw something. And then I'd go cross back, come back up. I'd go from between the, 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 uh, what's it called? The, uh, like the 90 and mm-hmm. the 10, you know, just, and, so, and, and when I come back from gigs, I just like tonight, I'm going to come up main tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come up and I would just find places. And so I started f- figuring out different ways to find places that way mm-hmm. and start start looking for signs like so, seeing signs here that meant a place is over there mm-hmm. seeing a picture of a lamb that like there, there's a butterbarcoa hidden in the backyard so it was like things like that at first and today i haven't changed but now i can use the internet mm-hmm. and uh, i'm doing the same thing i was doing then but it's not instagram <laughs> right like everybody else is everybody else is using instagram to find things uh-huh. and and so it's 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 really hard to find restaurants that have a good following that don't have everybody in town already following them you know and how do people find it on instagram i mean just that they follow some, like an influencer who writes about like yes this place and then in, in our community there. there are influencers you follow that you follow the salsa guys and and mm-hmm. it's funny because the there's the, the white generalists also, you know, <laughs> have been hanging out with us and they're like, Oh, I'm going to follow this, this uh, salsa Sinaloa guy. And, you know, he, because they're, they're trying to sell salsa or they're yeah. selling habas frescas and they're, uh, they're going to all the trucks. And so they're, so eventually one of their posts is something good. <clears throat> and there's, there's influencers as well, mm-hmm. but I don't do that at all. I mean, I hardly ever uh, use Instagram and matter of fact, I, w- I will go on Instagram sometimes to find a place, see if a place has anybody following it, you know? Yeah. And do you, do you try not to promote a place that you like a lot so that it doesn't get no, too crazy? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I just want, you know, if I, if I just found it um, mm-hmm. and I want to write about it, uh, you know, I, I will just hold off until I write. That's all, you know? So in terms of LA right now, and, and I asked you this earlier, like what you're most excited about, but in terms of like, just the breakdown. Uh, I mean, I've, I, I'm so bad. Like I've lived here for 10 years and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of, I've never had birria. I don't, I mean, I, oh. I, just, I know. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. So you missed the whole trend. 
I know. Well, I read your article and I, and I like bookmarked it and I was like, okay, I got to go to all these places, but then I just get so overwhelmed. Like, I don't even know where to start. So where should I start? <laughs> well, I mean, I think if, so you've never had birria in your life. Never in my life. I really love birria Nochislan because that's okay. an old school place. It's been around a long time. It's goat and okay. they're from uh, Zacatecas and mm-hmm. they're in Boyle Heights. Okay. And, but get the, get the full order. Don't get a don't get tacos and, and be there like you're on a taco crawl and you're gonna stop at 20 places. Get a full plate because that's the best way I think to enjoy their birria, you know. And the and, idea is that it's like braised goat and then you get the consomme and you yeah. get the goat. So you get the you get the whole thing. You get the meat and the consomme on a plate, mm-hmm. and then you pick it up with tortillas and you make tacos. So I would I would start there because that's a really great you know that's a great place to go. And then the 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 beef birria, the birria de res places. There's, mm-hmm. There, there's so many good ones. So you know, Teddy's and and Gonzalez and and La Unica. There's it just goes on and on. They're all, you know, do a pretty good job. So you could go to any of those places. But I I would just go to Nochislan and do mm-hmm. the plate. You know. Okay, I will do that, and I'll hopefully do it by the time I air your podcast. So. Um, I can prove to my listeners that I've listened. Uh, well, this is this flew by so fast. We're not quite done yet. We always start with what did you have for lunch? And you kind of alluded to your dinner tonight, but I was going to ask you, what is for dinner tonight? Oh, what <laughs> what is for dinner tonight? Did, did I alluded to my dinner tonight. Well, did you say you're going to drive down Maine? Did you say that or after? No, no, no. Day? I was saying that 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 when I was when I would come back from gigs, I would say oh, okay, okay. tonight I'm going to drive down down Maine. Got and- it. You're, you're quoting yourself in the past, not for actually tonight. <laughs> Got it. So yeah, what's on the menu tonight? I haven't even gotten that far yet. I guess I have to <laughs> right now for the, for the, for the, the gig here. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, you can just tell us how you normally think about dinner and how it usually plays out for you. Do you, do you usually do a big lunch and a lighter dinner? Do you do? Well, you know, lunch, because <laughs> I, I would you know, because I'm a food writer and I have so many places I have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's work, you know, uh, it's funny. There, there, I was with these guys yesterday and some friends of mine, uh, one from Tijuana, and they were always talking about, man, you're always going to fancy restaurants. Like, I'm like, I- I'm working. <laughs> like, like, I'm not trying to, you know, you, you, you guys can run around and go to 20 places in a day and, and say that you're, you know, you're like 29, whatever. And like, what right. I, I already done that. I've already done that, you know? I'm going out to dinner for, for work. And, you know, that's, it's not really. So, I mean, when I'm not traveling mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready to, to travel, okay. so I'm ready, I'm getting ready to go to Hermosillo, mm-hmm. uh, Mexico. And so, I mean, honestly, I'm taking it easy, you know, got it. You're preparing yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. At home. It's like some avocado tortilla and egg, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's like a regular go-to type of thing. And, make some fideos or something and then i have to see what what's on you know the calendar for for restaurants mm-hmm. and i'm going to i'm going to oc meets napa tomorrow what's so that it's a it's a it's a it's an event that started called east la meets napa for it's a the fundraiser for ultimate okay. the uh healthcare group and they're not doing their East LA meets Napa this year, but they're doing OC meets Napa. Mm-hmm. So I, I got invited to that. So there's going to be a bunch of restaurants there. Nice. So tonight I think I'm taking it easy. So when you do a tortilla with um, 
an egg, egg and avocado is there a, do you keep like t- salsas in your refrigerator that like you yeah. buy commercial ones? i mean are there ones that i don't know about that i should go out and buy and have in my fridge well when i when i travel i always bring back hot sauces i, I i'll mm-hmm. make salsa so mm-hmm. it, either I, if i've just made a salsa um i have actually right in my refrigerator leftover salsa from an event i went to that um uh burritos la, la La, La Marina. Okay. And uh, so they do Puerto Vallarta style burritas, seafood burritos. Mm. And they have this amazing creamy, like uh, serrano salsa and a creamy chipotle. Yeah. So I have those. I've been using those. So a couple fried eggs, some avocado, whatever tor- tortillas I have, either corn or flour that are good. Mm-hmm. And um, that's and and some salsa or or i get the tomatlan salsa that i have in the refrigerator that i got from jalisco okay you see uh, brought this all back with you oh my god this this yeah, yeah it's a uh, chiltepe salsa okay. from uh, the brand tomatlan from the city of tomatlan jalisco that wow. is insane so do that or in the in the fridge i usually have some ground uh, some toasted chiles already. So mm-hmm. grab some tomatoes or tomatillos or, or nothing. Just blend blend it up and put salt and whatever else I want. Make a salsa real quick. So it makes me so hungry. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. So are you, I've had to ask you, do you cook a lot at home? Well, again, I can't really, yeah, I cook for sure, but there's just so much food, man, with, the, <laughs> with this gig, you know? Yeah. Now, when you say this gig, are you talking about writing or writing? Oh, writing in general. Yeah. I mean, but you're, are you writing for multiple sort outlets right now? Or do you well, have I, I've, right now? I'm just doing Eater, uh, National mm-hmm. Eater LA, and then Kanye Nast Traveler. Great. And, but, great. but there's a few other things that pop up here and there. But I also, you know, it's also for other types of things. You know, I do consulting and, mm-hmm. and I do trips and things like that. So there's a lot of eating, you know, a lot of taking yeah. people around. And it takes its toll. I, I'm learning that it takes its toll on you to eat. I mean, I'm working on a cookbook right now and I've oh. been just like testing recipes, testing recipes. And it's like, oh my God, I just need to like take a break tonight. Wait a minute. Um, are you, are you the, it's your book? Yeah, I have a book that I'm co-writing with a friend who's a Broadway actor. So it's a book co- that's basically puns on Broadway shows. Um, so they're all like the but, sound but of who's music. who's doing the bulk of the writing? Oh, I am. I'm co-writing it. Yeah. So you're writing and you're testing your recipes. You're nuts. <laughs> I've I, done it before. I have another cookbook. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. All I've only that. done one cookbook and yeah. I learned the hard way. You don't test your own recipes. <laughs> oh, you mean that other people? Well, I mean, the first round I test them. I mean, I, I make them and then I write right. them down and then I have my, some of my friends test them too. So yeah, okay, but okay. still, but just have, being surrounded by all this food. Yeah. It's like, I need a salad every so often. So I'm, I'm booked, man. Yeah. And yeah. So, so really at home, there's this, there's just no, it doesn't make sense at all to yeah. have anything but, but stuff to survive with and <laughs> do, you know, take it easy until the next thing. I mean, like I said, I'm about ready to leave yeah. for Hermosillo and that's going to be four or five solid days of eating all day long. So they just, there's, and, and I got OC 
meets Napa. Yeah, you're doing great. You have, oh. I think a lot of people aren't feeling too sorry for you right now. I think they're no. pretty jealous. Um, well, Bill, this was such a delight to get to talk to you. And I, I could have kept talking to you for another hour. So we'll have to hang out in real life and get some food together. So That would be great. Yeah. Thanks again for taking the time and enjoy your trip. Thank you very much. Thanks for having right. me on. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. My name is John Kasich. I'm the former governor of Ohio, former presidential candidate. And I'm Jordan Klepper. I'm a comedian. We have a new podcast together called Kasich and Klepper from Acast and Treefort Media. Why is Kasich first? Well, first of all, it's alphabetical. K-L. I, you, you, I, I understand. And I ran a whole state once, too, by the way. You ran a mid-sized state, to be clear. <laughs> You know, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, this is going to be about politics. No, it's not. It's going to be about life. We're going to talk about politics, I'm sure, but we're also going to talk about the things that affect us. And I might ask for a fatherly advice of, like, how do you raise a child who won't become a Republican? <laughs> Welcome to Kasich and Klepper. Listen and subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. A-Cash, 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 A-Cash recommends. recommends.